Blog Talk Radio. Listening to the CC show. I hope you guys enjoy it. 
Uh, I hope you guys love listening to me live. I know some of you guys are followers from the page, the Carlotta Chatwood uh, Facebook page. Thank you. I appreciate you guys listening. Um, Man, okay. So this week, man, let me tell you. Oh, oh, I I was about to skip what I was going to say. It's a Word is a segment I do on the show, for those of you who are new listeners, where I kind of just encourage you with some things that I've been going through, some things I've been learning during the week and stuff like that, you know, just my life. And this week, I feel like, you know, has I, I mean, I, so much has been going on as I head towards 50 and my graduation. <laughs> so excited, man. I'm so excited. I'm like, you know, I was thinking, Lord, you know, I was thinking this week, like, Lord, you know, it all happens, it it happens so fast, life, it moves so fast. Like, I still feel like that 19-year-old girl, you know, who's going, I mean, going to her, going her first year in college at Mo West and didn't complete it, you know what I'm saying? I still feel like that 25-year-old girl, you know, who was trying to figure out her way in the world when she was living in Tulsa, you know. And so, you know, yes, there's maturity and growth and many things have changed, but it's like, man, oh, wow. (laughs) I'm heading there. I'm going to be getting an AARP uh, card or something soon, right? But I was like, Lord, first of all, it's such a blessing because, it's a blessing to get older because, I, and even though I got a few months before I turn 50, um, it's always a blessing, you know what I'm saying, because you can, you can have the alternative. So thank you, Lord, for uh, gifts. But this week I was uh, looking at how beautiful life is, you know what I'm saying, too. Um, I was watching, I, I know some of y'all watch Holler, the older lady uh, who comes on YouTube she cuss you out in five seconds. She, uh, she's a Scorpio, fellow Scorpio. She, she's hilarious. It's an older lady that's on YouTube, and her family and stuff is around her. She's ninety six years old. She's feisty. She got stuff. She always got advice and stuff to say about love, sex, marriage, all kind of stuff. And she's been kind of sick, I think, on her her lives or something. You know, she's ninety six. And she, and here's one of the things that I was watching her live this week, and she kept saying. To the people, she kept saying, y'all pray for me. Because she said, I don't want to die. <laughs> and I was laughing. You know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't laughing at her, but I was like, wow, Lord. 96, I was like, Father, give her more time. Give her, give her, give her past 100 because she's so feisty and lively. But what I kept thinking about is, look at how beautiful life is at 96. She's so on fire and fiery. She still ain't ready to let go. And I was like, man, God, wow. And just thinking about her popularity, like how she's gotten popular among celebrities, celebrities be looking at her live and laughing and stuff like that. I mean, it's just such a beautiful energy. At 96, she still isn't ready to let go of life. Look, isn't it the, the beauty of life? And I was thinking about that. I was like, Lord. Thank you for life. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, and, and I was looking at the, you know, the mortality of things. And this week I had one of my girlfriends uh, got diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. And I had, I, I talked to y'all about my scare last year. Last summer I'm, I'm actually getting ready to go and get a follow-up for, I mean, another, you know, follow-up this year, screening for that cancer this year. 
and I was like, you know, we we talked about it, and man, as we get older and move towards things, and it's great, and it's a beautiful thing. They caught it very early, so you know, praise God, I think everything's gonna be okay. But it's just a, a moment of when you realize, man, we're getting old, man. <laughs> things are happening, our bodies are changing, and everything. But yet my mind kept going back when I was talking to her, to that beautiful 96-year-old lady who still was, like, trying to, she said, y'all pray for me because I don't want to die. I love living. I was like, wow. And then I thought about my own grandmother who went about maybe how many years, 20-some 20, 20 years now. When my own grandmother got sick with lymphoma, she had it twice. And, you know, I mean, how I watched her go through cancer, it just beautifully, powerfully beat it. She's 87 now, kicking it up and doing all kind of stuff. <laughs> so it's just, you know, it's a beautiful thing. So I just thought about life, like all of that. I hope I'm making sense to y'all. I'm, I'm going everywhere, but I'm getting somewhere, okay? And I was thinking about all the beautiful things, you know, the be- how God gives us this uh, beautiful time, this beautiful thing of life, and the brevity of it, how fast it moves, but also the longness of it, too. You know what I'm saying? And what am I trying to say here? That every day and everything may not be perfect in your life. It may not be exactly the way you want it. But life is beautiful in all its complexity. I think I talked about this before. I talked about the movie Collateral Beauty. Yeah, life is that. It's so beautiful. It's so powerful. And as I head towards my 50 years, and I was like, Lord, you know, how do I want to live out the next several years if you bless me to live? How do I want to see that time? You know what I'm saying? I start thinking, you know, I start thinking about how important your time is. Oh, my God, this week it's just it's been, I don't know if it was a full moon in Aquarius. You know what I'm saying, how full moons, y'all know I love full moons. I love moon phases. But full moons kind of bring reflect, reflect, because, you know, I believe God is an orderly God, and that God even orders the universe to speak to us and speak to our moods and everything like that. And that's what, that's where you think, you know, you think through astrology and stuff like that. And I was like, man, Lord, you know, this this week, this after this, I mean, after the full moon and the course, I've, I've been feeling this sense of how important it is to uh, really evaluate your time and like everything in your life and the beauty of it. And oh man, it's so much here, but. And this week, too, it was so interesting. I had a reading. I mean, not a reading. I had an astrology thing done because I'm a, I'm a, I love astrology. So I had a, I was talking to an astrologist. And uh, y'all know her, one of my our resident, our resident astrologists, Apollonia. And we did a reading, and it was very powerful. You know, we were talking about transits and how it's moving and how it'll affect my life, you know, in the future, how I'm moving and all that stuff and how, it could, you know, possible changes and stuff like that. But all through that, all I kept thinking about is, wow, life is so awesome. We get to live it. We get to breathe God's breath every day in us. So what I guess I'm saying to y'all is you got a 96-year-old woman who is still who's facing, you know, uh, um, 
mortality, closer sometimes than what well, we, we think. We never know, you know what I'm saying? Facing mortality and still wanting life. And then you got a young woman who's finding out in a prime of her life that, you know, hey, she has, she has to uh, face cancer and all these crazy things that happen throughout life and the crazy things that's going on in our world. And you really just start think, start thinking, and this is what I just say, I'm, and, I, and I hope it all makes sense. It's something I post I put up today for my on my Facebook page and for my Facebook cover, and it says, uh, what does this say? Let me look at this. I want to make sure I put it right. But it's about, you know, that life isn't uh, perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. And so I hope you guys catch that. I hope you understand that, that life not have to be perfect to be wonderful, okay? And I feel like I feel like this year I've felt that more than ever before. So I just wanted to encourage you guys with that. You know what I'm saying? To understand the beautifulness and complexity of life and how gorgeous it is, especially as I go towards with, you know, 50. You know, whole, <laughs> I'm like, wow, wow, that's that's crazy, Lord. So, uh, yeah, so that's my, it's a word, I think. <laughs> okay? All right, you guys. So, man, what else do we got to talk about? Okay, I talked about, I told y'all my school started and I got that going on. Oh, my Lord, I'm excited. Y'all, y'all know I always ask for y'all, pray for me. Please put me in y'all prayers, Okay. Because, listen, I be needing prayer as I go towards the school year and these classes and everything. Pray that I do my best. Pray that I keep focused, all that stuff. Okay? Y'all, pray for me. All right? Uh, Also, um, Westworld. Oh, my gosh. Should we talk about Westworld? We talk about Westworld yet? Oh, Oh, wait. I don't know. I don't. It's not a lot I want to say about Westworld. Let me just say this, okay? <laughs> Westworld started off as confusing as fuck to me this year because <laughs> it had it's been it had been so long since I, I hate when shows wait a long period of time and then they show up like you know you like damn you know, I ain't seen you in like a month like years where what in the hell I had to go back and watch former episodes to remember what the hell was going on. And let me just say this: the last, uh, the last two episodes of Westworld, fabulous. Okay, I won't ruin them for y'all. But let me just say, I have to go. I had to go back and watch. I have to go back and watch the last one because there were certain parts I was going, "Oh shit!" You know, Westworld is one of those thinking shows. Like when you can watch it for, you can watch all four seasons and still be like, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> and I, I love shows like that. I like that. So it's it's just a very strange dynamic show, but uh, it was the last two episodes superb. That's all I want to say. Shout out to Westworld, okay? I've been like, you know, I've been like riding a roller coaster with Westworld. Westworld is one of those shows too that afterwards, like I'm a person who I like to I like to listen to like the um, the shows that have uh, you know the after shows from people like podcasters and stuff who who talk about it and they break down the shows and stuff. I love that. I listen to a lot of those and stuff like that so I can try to understand what the hell I'm seeing. <laughs> but, I, I, yeah, I really I, I have enjoyed it, and I hope it doesn't take a long time to come back, okay? Also this week, Kanan Power Book 3 came back. Oh, my God. Now, Rock is back in the building slinging that dope. It's the 90s in New York City. Uh, and, you know, uh, 
uh, Iraq has taken has become head of the head of it all. Okay, but you can see that certain dangers are out to face Iraq and Canaan. So my thing here's my thing about uh, this is my thing about uh, Canaan. Okay. I really enjoy it, but I'm ready to see when ghosts in them enter. I want. I thought Canaan knew ghosts, and I really want. I hope. I hope that what's her name clears this up. Uh, 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 Courtney Kemp, because I thought ghosts and Canaan and all them met in high school. So at for so at some point, ghosts and Tommy and Tasha have to enter the picture with Canaan. So they're younger selves. So I'm so excited to see when that happens, and I feel like that needs to happen. I'm ready for Canaan to meet them, so I don't know if he meets them within this school year that's going to happen or how that's going, but I really want to know when does, when does Ghost and Tommy and Tasha, the younger versions of them, and uh, uh, and the other girl entered the fray. Uh, what was the girl that gave the prosecutor that got killed, district attorney or whatever? So I would like to know when that when that happens. So Angie, Angela. So it would be interesting to see. I know Tasha. Tasha's younger than them, so Tasha probably would come a few years after, like a few years later. So we may not see Tasha for another year or so. Her version come in. To uh, to Canaan power, but I am interested. This year, we're going to get to see the entrance of Ghost, the younger version of Ghost Tommy and Angie on Power Book Two. Because you know, as people know, Canaan Power Book Power Book Two Power Book Three is about Canaan, the character Canaan, and how he grew up in the drug world. You know, Canaan was a major character on Power. Uh, so uh, he he we know his demise. He had got killed, but they're they're going back over his life as a youngster and how he grew up. He came to be Canaan. So very interesting. It looks good. It started off good so far, but I am ready for the entrance of those younger versions because I feel like they need that. I need. I feel like I need to see that. Even though all these characters they have on Power Book Three are very interesting. Okay. And also, word on the street is they're not going to do Lorenz Tate's, uh, I think the stars is not going to do Lorenz Tate, uh, the separate spinoff for Power, uh, they thought for Lorenz Tate's character. And you know what? I thought they wouldn't. And let me explain why I didn't think they were going to do it. He fits too well into the dynamic of uh, Power Book 2. He really does. He uh, Lorenz Tate's character. It's almost like if you take him out of Power Book Two and you give his give him his own power, it just feels like it takes away. Now, if you grow Lorenz Tate's character um, within within um, within uh, Power Book Two, I think it becomes even more interesting. So I like the idea that they decided not to make that a spinoff. And I kind of knew that early on because he just fits in with that cast. And if you see him grow, like running for governor, then becoming governor, and then possibly president or something like that, during all this time that we see the growth of Tyreek and Tyreek's game and stuff like that, I think it will be an interesting dynamic. So I'm glad they did not take that dynamic out. It would be very interesting to see that. So I think that's smart. I think it's uh, smart of the writers and stars to do so. Okay. Also, uh, let me see what else I wanted to talk to you all about. 
Um, talking about Canaan, Westworld. Um, man, it was something else. Oh my God, it was something else I wanted to talk to y'all about. I have totally forgot. I don't know if I even had it up here. Oh yes, 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 yes. Okay. So, like, I mean, you know, when when I'm bored, sometimes I look for shows. <laughs> To watch on Netflix sometimes, but I have t- you know, and to see what is kind of like the a, a really cool thing that's out. So I listen. I am a Scorpio. Okay, I remember I I, called, I wrote my girlfriends in the middle of the night. We have me and my girlfriends. We have this group text. Me and my two of my other. I have group texts with different girlfriends, but this is two of my closest girlfriends. We have this group text. We we text each other in the middle of the night and everything. So I'm like, oh my god, I just found this great show. And they're like, you freak, you scrubby. <laughs> but this show, okay, it was, it's on, uh, let me pull it up, pull it up here. Um, I'm trying to start to tell you guys about it. I got to find it here. Oh, my God, it's so good. Okay, how to build a sex room. No, 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 no. I think you guys are going, oh, Lord, Carolina. No, serious. This is so good. It's like, you know those shows where they do makeovers for houses and stuff? Well, this lady comes and does a makeover for couples, all kind of couples, gay, lesbian, straight, you know, whatever, for for, for, all, for couples in their homes, right? And, they're, and you know, and she... She talks to the couples, see what their issues are, their things are, what's going on in their life, and all these things. And then she begins to build a sex room or a sexy room of their dreams. Listen, it's so good. Y'all don't think it would be good? It is so good. My girlfriend was like, you freak. And then my one girl just got quiet. We was like, why is she so quiet? She's probably watching the show. <laughs> And then she says to me, she texts me talking about, I can do this myself. <laughs> but it's so good. So if you guys are looking for a show, and I watched another one tonight, too, about pleasure. That's another one I'm watching. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm put it up and for you guys to see. I am, I'm going to put it up for you guys. The, 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 the ones I've been recently watching about pleasure, it's so good about women and, their, and pleasure and sex and stuff like that. I'm going to put that up. It's very interesting. But the one that I really want y'all to watch it right now is How to Build a Sex Room. It is so damn good. And you know what? It was really, like, brilliant because um, it's this lady, older little, uh, older, white, cute, light white lady, and she's going around building sex rooms and sex toys and all these fun things for couples. Now, you got to say, Carla, why? <laughs> y'all know my one of my dreams is to have me my own sex toy one day. I really I do want one. It's crazy. My friends all think I'm crazy. They're like, oh, God, she's, she's really serious about this. I am. <laughs> so so I get interested in these type of things. And, yes, I am a Scorpio. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I find it fascinating. So, yeah, it's a great show. You guys should check it out. I wanted to tell you all about it. I did post it on the Kalala Chatwood Facebook page. So if you guys, you can scroll down and you can see a link to it and the name of it and how to watch it on Netflix if you have Netflix. Very, very good, okay? And they and they did all kind of wonderful things. Like this one couple, she built like this huge, they wanted, they had wanted the theme of water and, you know, kind of a little bit of bondage, a little bit of this, you know, a little Fifty Shades of Grey and stuff like that. And she built this 
beautiful, like, room with this big old shower. It was crazy. And then there was this one, these one polyamorous, like this couple of polyamorous who swingers. Like, they all, pretty guess, like seven of them, right? And she went to each one of them to see, you know, what kind of room they want for sexy room. And they wanted a huge bed. She built them, like, this huge bed where they can all get on together. <laughs> and she did. She had, like, you know, each one had, like, their favorite fetish thing. Like, one guy had, like, a peep room. And one uh, had, like, a, a the, you know, like a sexual dungeon. They had this little, uh, 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 uh. Thing you guys should see it. It's just some interesting shit. Okay, <laughs> watch it. How to build a sex room? It is interesting, and it's interesting to see all these people who are so different and unusual talk about their relationships and how uh, you know how they want to build intimacy. And then when you look at their house and everything, and you see maybe why the breakdown is happening in a relationship or why this and that. So it's more than just about how to build a sex room. It is about, like, relationships, love, all kinds of things. I'm telling y'all, really good show. I ain't paid a nothing to get say, give ain't nothing, uh, anything to say this. This is a good show, okay? I just tell y'all when I see a good show, and this is a good show, okay? So you guys definitely check it out, how to build a sex room. I think you will find it really interesting. Okay. I'm going to stop it because, you know, I like to eat when I'm on air. It'll be like that sometime, okay? All right. So I want y'all to watch that. All right. Very good. I enjoyed it. It was like, uh, I think it's like seven or eight episodes. I watched it probably about two or three days. But it was good. Okay? I enjoyed it. Um, also, um, also, I've been noticing the news I saw tonight about, you know, it. I listen to a lot, let me just say this, I listen to a lot of offbeat people. I listen to, um, for politics, I listen to all kinds of people. I've even listened to Alex Jones before. I listen to uh, Joe Reagan. I I mean, I listen to across the spectrum. I listen to people who I find interesting, odd, off-kilter. It doesn't mean I always agree with them. That's what I hate about this culture nowadays is because if you listen to anything or you tell other people to listen to something, it's like, you know, everybody thinks that means you agree with everything they say, but no. But I listen to all kinds of people. Uh, Black Authority, you guys know, I talk about him on here. I listen to the business. I listen to, uh, and I don't always agree. Uh, I listen to, but there is a group, so I think some things I do agree with. Uh, I listen to uh, Break, uh, Yvette Cornell. Uh, some of all those people I listen to don't even like each other. Uh, I listen to uh, sometimes Roland Martin. Not a lot, but I do. Um I listen to all kinds of people, Tariq Nasheed, and tonight I saw, tonight, where Tariq Nasheed said that, you know, FBI had been coming to him at his house asking him random questions and stuff like that, and I saw um, one of the people, excuse me, talking about, talking about leave, you know, talking about FBA and, and how, you know, because Tariq Nasheed started the whole FBA thing, ADOS was started, <laughs> by Yvette Cornell, even though they all kind of, in some ways, have similar thoughts on things, but, you know, one may be a little farther out than the other crazy, you know, with different things. One may not be political, but I feel like they spend too much time being argumentative and divisive and stuff like that. And one person, one of the people tonight was saying, hey, you know, uh, they're going to, it's not going to end well with them, you know, the FBI talking to them. Let me just say this. And this is even with Donald Trump has, 
anytime you have, and I understand this for the FBI too. I understand how the FBI has to come out when there's political uh, uh, people politically don't think a certain way, and so sometimes they think they have to investigate and stuff like that. The truth is, in this day and time, you may be in, investigated for anything political. I have a friend who is, uh, her and her husband are missionaries, <laughs> and they go to, they, they one of the places they used to, uh, her husband lived in and ministered in was Saudi Arabia. And... They used to have people. They used to have people coming and ask them agents and stuff questions all the time, and we used to always laugh about how our phone, her phone was tapped. We was probably having conversations stuff like that. But I mean, but they were just missionaries, you know. <laughs> so those things happen. People get questioned all the time. Uh, sometimes people even put political hits out on people. Speaking, seeing what you see, how they like this week with Donald Trump. Donald Trump, that's a political hit, in my personal opinion. Personal opinion, I, you know. But, you know, Donald Trump is, uh, you know, is not agreeing with the way the, they want the world to go. So, um, you know, so you even have people like Donald Trump getting hit out with an FBI raid. Black people have always in America who have had political, dis, political dissidents, as always, have always or political disagreements with the government and stuff have always been targets of agencies, okay? And so even when they were doing nothing but speaking out for their rights, it's just, that's just, it, this is, that's just how it is in this, in, the, in this world. And even when you live in a country that's supposed to be the home of the brave, home of the free, it's not always free, okay? So, you know, I heard that tonight, and I was just like, you know, that's not surprising. Look at what's happened to Donald Trump. So any time that you are not politically going with the mainstream, just expect those type of things, uh, especially if you become bigger and everything in your beliefs and stuff like that. People like Tyre, that's that's natural. Dr. King, the FBI went after him. <laughs> I mean, J. Edgar Hoover went after him. I mean, they even went after Malcolm. So those are that that happens, okay? And in a world where uh, all these political things are going on, if you just have political disagreements, that's going to happen. Even if you you even if you just listen to somebody or compliment somebody, people will put you in a category to say, "Hey, you believe what they believe, or you this and that." And that's not always true. I'm a complex person. I believe a lot of things. It's hard to catch me. <laughs> okay, so you know it's like you can't you can't see what I believe unless you have a real complex conversation. I mean, I know y'all listen to this show and y'all got ideas, but I constantly evolve every day. There are some things that I may have thought five weeks ago that I don't think today. <laughs> Everybody got more information on, so you know that's how I wrote. But you know it is what it is. So that's just light. But I heard this night and I was like, that's crazy. And this person was saying. You know, oh, it's not going to end well. And they have a political organization, too. And I'm like, oh, they'll come after you just like they'll come after them. Because you know what it is? Asking for reparations for black, uh, black Americans, like, uh, for descendants, for black Americans is not cool right now. To ask uh, for black Americans to be separated uh, into its own category and own group is not cool when you want to move towards globalism and you want to make black American culture the face of globalism. 
So when you're a black person in America and saying, nah, I ain't going with that because my ancestors had to, uh, my ancestors, uh, you know, lived on the soil, died on the soil, bled on the soil, was treated terribly on the soil. Nah, I love everybody in the diaspora. But we ain't the same, baby. <laughs> and I respect you wherever you are. I respect you for whatever group you from, and I respect that and everything like that. Respect my tribe. You know what I'm saying? We we may be a big tribe together, but we all are. We do have our separate tribes and our separate cultures. And I and I I respect other people's, and I I want people to do the same. I don't feel like I should just be that we black Americans should just be like you know just tossed aside our identity and our culture and who we are. So I speak on, on that a lot. And as a matter of fact, this week I was having a discussion on Twitter with this person, with a lot of people, because they were talking about uh, Wanga. A lot of people are just now finding out that Essence is owned by a black Liberia, Liberian man, okay? And, you know, here's the reason I question those things, because more, less and less black Americans are owning publishing. You have a lot of African people, African, no offense to y'all, a lot of uh, people who are, are, are different things, and that's all cool. But the thing is, I don't like people playing black American face. And then try, you know what I'm saying? So people were talking about this particular uh, conversation that happened with, uh, which I didn't get to see, with uh, Wanga, who is the CEO. She's Kenyan over uh, Essence. And she was talking about, you know, this whole thing about, um, let me see if I can find that. Hold on, you guys. I think I'll let I'll let I'll pull up the thing on Twitter. So we can talk about that. I wasn't planning on talking about it, but I I will hit it up. Uh, she was saying. Let me see if I can find it. Uh. Uh. See if I can find this conversation. But we were having a conversation about Essence and the ownership of Essence um, and how important, you know, it's how it is to have black representation owning a publication because uh, black American representation because it could change the dynamic and the understanding of who we are as, as a people historically and culturally. So it's important that we tell our stories too, you know what I'm saying? So um, let me see. I'm trying to see if I can find. That conversation. Uh, oh, and I wanted you guys to hear Chloe too singing Beyonce song. That's another thing I wanted to talk about. But let me see. Can I find this? I don't know if I can find the um, station. I'm going to try to find. I hate when I go blank. Y'all know how I hate that. Okay, so. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a quick break, and I'm going to try to uh, find it so we can have that discussion on that. Let's see if I can uh, find it. That's what I'll do. I'll take a break. Okay, y'all. So I'm going to take a break, and we'll come back to addition on, you know, I'll talk about a little bit more of the hot, my topics during the week, and then we'll get into hot topics and stuff like that. Meanwhile, let's start it off with uh, – you know what? Just one of my favorite songs of all time. I'm telling you, I just then I played at the end of last week. You know, Love Train. Not 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 Bruno. I love Bruno and him, but not they version. Uh, Confunction. Okay, it's the CC show. I'll be back in a moment, y'all.
guys, we are back on the Carlotta Travel Show playing my song, my jam, Love Train. Oh, man, I got so many memories when I was a little kid, man, yeah, Love Train. My mama didn't play cards. When I go out with my mom, hang out with my mom or my dad's family's house or when I be uh, when I be over my next-door neighbor's house, the Fishers, and they be kicking in and now they be playing. <laughs> so I love that song. There's so many memories of it. Love Train. All right, so. It's the CC show, and I am back. And you know, I just saw this interesting tweet um, about Antonio Moore talking about um, uh, uh, the day homie, uh, the homie uh, warriors, and you know, because because there is a movie being made by uh, by Ola Davis where you know, I guess it's the uh, about a woman warrior. The Dahomey tribe, and a lot of people talk about the Dahomey the, uh, uh, the the tribe, and I hope I'm saying the name right, connection to slavery, <laughs> American slavery. Uh, you do know the slave trade and how they were, the Dahomey tribe were a group of warrior women who even uh, protested against uh, uh, the slave trade stopping. <laughs> We're glorified, so we have to be careful what we glorify. You know, I think that during the time of Pan Africanism, so many Black Americans we wanted this dream of uh, Pan Africanism. Black Americans really, in my personal opinion, created the idea of Pan Africanism. That's the idea of the diaspora, everybody reaching out to each other and stuff like that. But we find out we're very different with very different experiences, and some of us don't want to do that. <laughs> a lot of people don't want to do that, and we don't understand. I think we we had a glorification of Africa that simply, you know, we didn't understand the disconnect, and also Africa's um, Africa's real uh, real participation in the slave trade. So, yeah, you know, uh, so he's saying here, he has this up. He said, y'all see the sick move, a movie, uh, so you skip over Black Panther because that's Kendrick, Kendrick and Kugler, and you make it about the woman king. Nope, this is a broader discussion, and these are the same day homie warriors. None of it should be glorified, uh, given its ties to our history. And um, what it says, uh It says it would be interesting to see how a movie that uh, seems to glorify that uh, the all-female military unit of Dahomey uh, deals with the fact that the kingdom uh, derived its wealth from capturing Africans uh, for the transatlantic slave trade. And this is from um, Ida B. Wells uh, on her theme. And then this is Antonio Moore. He's talking about, he said, people are celebrating Black Panther, a movie about a fictional, wealthy African country that built uh, that is built out of the image of, of the only king protected by women warriors, the Dahomey king, that made his wealth trading slaves, winning an Oscar, while Adolf's blacks are largely wealthless. You know, and that's something that we have to, we definitely have to look at and we have to put and it's all about to learning to identify ourselves as a people i just really believe that's important i think antonio and yvette do a great job of researching those things and really uh looking at the political aspect of those uh things so just interesting and uh i was talking about too also about we're getting back to the original subject before i left off i was talking about uh how i had the discussion on twitter 
which I already have discussions on Twitter. The reason I don't, people ask me all the time, Carla, why don't you post anymore on Twitter? And I used to post a lot on the Carlotta 72 side, okay, and, you know. And, listen, it was a lot. Twitter is a lot because I feel like it's a lot. I'm a great writer. I'm a good writer, but I feel like I, 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 don't, I can't express myself in that space, like, a lot. So sometimes I just put out subject matter that I'd like to talk about, and I hope you guys come to the podcast and listen to it, my thoughts on it. But really, you know, it's really hard. I mean, and then when I was on the Carlisle 72 side, man, I'd be fighting everybody, Beehive, everybody. But, you know, it's, it's, it's um, I like it better now because it's hard to express yourself in that space. But I, uh, I, I, uh, but I may start t- typing back on that. People asked me that a, a, a while back, so who knows? We'll see. But, uh, this week I had a discussion on Twitter where, where this, uh, uh, Nas, Nascobar316, uh, Nas at Nascobar316, uh, he made a tweet and he says, the Kenyan CEO of Essence, Caroline Wenga, Wagner, Miss Wagner, uh, tried to poison the minds of black Americans at Essence festivals because now that lineage-based policy is on the move. Black Americans will question why a Kenyan is running Essence. She is obviously threatened by this, and this is what she he put up a post of her talking. Now, I've been talking about Essence for years and what went on at Essence a few years back. Remember rumors of having trouble pay making payroll when 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 he took over, when Rich Rich um, Rich Dennis took over uh, Essence from Time Warner, and um, also uh, uh, um, uh, problems with staffs complaining, mistreatment. It was all kinds of things. You can look it up. <laughs> you can look it up, and you can also look up the history of how Essence came got out the hands of African Americans. It's a very very interesting story. Now, I'm going to talk, I've talked about this, I've been talking through this about my show for quite some time about Essence, so I kind of know the run, a little bit of the rundown about Essence, most, some of what I've read about it. But let's talk, listen to Car- Caroline Wagner uh, talk real quick here. Let me pull this out so you guys can check it out. Optimal health because you started at the wrong place. Your foot is broken and you're over here trying to make sure your face looks good. But you can't walk. The last one is world. What does that mean? It means something really simple that is a pet peeve of mine, but I'm going to put on the table and then I'm going to shut up. All this BS about African versus U.S. black versus Caribbean black versus Canadian black versus Antarctica black, I don't have facts to prove that. We everywhere. Arctic black. If you allow that narrative to exist between you, you're participating in dismantling who we're supposed to be in this world, John. Rich and I are no more, actually no less dedicated the black community in the U.S. than we are to the black community in Africa and in the Caribbean and in Europe. And the fact that our descent is African and your descent might be different does not mean that we can't represent all. 
and we're not fighting for all. And we keep letting this narrative exist in the fucking star world. I told y'all this is me. If you were calling me, this is how it would come out, y'all. And I'm going to tell you why I'm triggered on that in a second. Anybody can believe what they want to believe. What I need the world part of this to do is to proactively dismantle the part of that conversation that is about if you weigh in a black op certified, you don't deserve to help make black better. Because the amount of optimal... Now... Well, I understand where Caroline Wagner is saying I, it is not on me, it is not passed on me that he went and got a Kenyan CEO. Uh, you know, listen, oh, <laughs> and I, it, listen, I respect what she had to say about, you know, but we are different. You can't speak for my experience and my ancestors' experience in America no more than I can speak for your ancestors' experience in Kenyan, being a Kenyan. You can't. We're not the same. You can you all black don't represent all black. We different. We all have different especially across the diaspora and the diaspora is very different from Africa. Africa who participated in the slave trade and people who remained on the land is very much different from the people, the Caribbean people, American people, American blacks and everything. And to think now, that doesn't mean you're not fighting for us, you're not fighting, but see, what black people in America are noticing, we ain't on the same page sometimes. Not all of them. There are some, a lot of the Africans who, who are down for black Americans, but there are some who got their own narrative. So, you know, it, you can't speak for the struggle of African Americans. Like, African Americans come over to Africa and try to help, but we don't know the problems specifically in African countries. Like, she can't speak, being a Kenyan, she can't speak for Nigerians. Nigeria is a whole other country. <laughs> and that's what they love to do. Because One of the things, not all Africans, but some, they, they play on the fact they think that we're done. So they love to come over and say, like, everybody's one. Africa is not one. Africa is a, is a continent with several different, over 59, I think, countries, 50 countries, 50-some 50 countries. Nigeria is different from Kenya. Tanzania is different from uh, uh, um, uh, South Africa. I mean, you're talking about I mean, you're, a full continent <laughs> where tribalism exists, where tribalism started. So excuse us if we're a little suspicious, <laughs> okay? And, no, I, I, I think that he's very much right when he says that she was trying because she doesn't, like, talking about don't let that narrative, she didn't get a lot of hand claps either, but don't let that narrative uh, sway you. No, we're definitely going to be paying attention to the narrative because you can't come over here and pretend to be speaking for us and not have our experience. Now, can you, hey, roll, hey, what's going on in the community and find out from African Americans? But to paint this brush that we all black, we all the same, kumbaya, no, we're not. I'm a di- Listen, I've said this before. If I, I have a, one, one of my best friends in the whole world, it sound like a lot of white people. You know when white people say their best friends is black. But no facts for real. One of my one of, one of my best friends for years. She's Caribbean. We 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 we. That's my that's my girl. Her family is her. She's uh she's part Puerto Rican and, and she's part uh I think Makisha's part Bar- Barbados from Barbados. Okay. So listen, 
I mean, and we talk about this stuff all the time. She gets it. She never has, like, I get, she gets it, okay? She, her and her first generation of, uh, 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 she's a first generation uh, in her family. But she, she always had, we met each other when we were at Oral Roberts University together. We became close girlfriends, one of my close girlfriends to this, one of my closest girlfriends. When anything will, when I need to cry, when I need anything, this I call this girl. This is like one of my best girlfriends in the world. Okay, so and and if she gets it, she's like I get that. I don't understand why other people don't get it. <laughs> you know, and so the thing is, what is threatening about African Americans identifying themselves? What is threatening? And I get that people feel a kinship to the African-American culture. I get it because, like I said before on this show, it has been sold as a product throughout the world. We have been sold as products to people. So everybody wants to be in. It's even when I heard my fave. I've, I've, I've heard, I always talk about Maxwell here, but when I talk about, when I talk about Maxwell, uh, you know, Maxwell on, when he talks about how, which is interesting to me, <laughs> He talks about about growing up in New York, which I think in New York is a quite different place, you know, growing up in versus other places in the United States. But uh, I'll have to talk on that another time. But he talks about, I, I feel like sometimes his connection was to black radio. And that doesn't mean he didn't know black people, but he grew up in a very religious household and probably the connection to black people. This is what I'm listening I'm assuming a, a connection to black American people was probably through the radio. And black American people had went worldwide. So there's this kinship to like, yeah, I I, I identify with them. I get them and everything. But fundamentally, when we look at each other, like, you know, he grew up differently probably from me. He grew up in New York City for one. I mean, we all are different. Black Americans are different. But the traditions that happen in a black American household uh, culturally, sometimes we have some things that are shared and stuff like that with other cultures. But for the most part, you know, having a parent that's from a different country, from Haiti and Puerto Rico, that's different. I didn't have that in my family's from being on the soil for <laughs> several generations. I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> you may speak other languages. I don't. You know what I'm saying? You know, there there are differences. And so to me, sometimes when I hear him talk, I always laugh. I always say, I wonder if his connection besides celebrity, because he grew up in a very religious household. I pay attention to shit like this. You know, I be paying attention. I pay attention to what people say. Like, But I always pick on him because he's Haitian and Puerto Rican, and black people love Maxwell. Black Americans love Maxwell, okay? But I'm just saying I always pick on him because I listen to what he says. He says, oh, and, uh, you know, I, I I listen to the radio, WBLS, and I'm like, was that your connection to black black Americans <laughs> besides when you became a star? <laughs> I mean, you know, no, no offense. Like, like I don't, I, I, because it just seems like I'm like, did you have black American friends? Because you know, being very religious and black and household is different when you grow up. I mean, it, it's a very different experience because it seems like the experience. And in New York, it was very different, probably in the 70s. In 80s, where were more black Americans 
now New York is very, it's a, it's a, it's, it looks like the diaspora. A lot of black Americans have moved out of New York. There's still a lot of black Americans there, but a lot of people, for the most part, have moved because it's unaffordable and all kind of things. But now you have a, a hodgepodge of different things. You always had that in New York, but even more so probably within the last 15 to 20 years. So during his, his time in, in, in that energy, did you know a lot? I mean, you probably went to school with him, but did you kind of know him? <laughs> it's interesting, but through the radio. So I always pay attention to that because I feel like people see us as, Products, you know, are not a culture. They see us as something to identify with, like keep people all around the world, because of America being a superpower, were sold black American culture. And so they see us on TV, they see our music, they hear this and that. That doesn't mean that some other cultures didn't participate in some of our music, but say, most of the time the music that us as a people created or something like that, it identified with people in the diaspora, and they didn't think of us as a culture but instead thought of us as, you know, products that you identify with, and we were put out as, as the face of blackness. So it seems like it's a global black American culture is a global thing. We all are that, but you're not. A, a group of people who were either indigenous to the land, which is some black people here already, a whole other story, or who were sold in the slave trade, came here under in, in, in slavery and created a culture. When I hear the stories, it's so insulting to me when people say, we all black and try to dismiss black culture. I would never say to a Haitian person or I never say to them to dismiss Haiti or dismiss being a Kenyan or dismiss being Nigerian or dismiss being uh, 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 from the Bahamas or, or West Indies. I would never do that. And for to see people try to dismiss us, like, I'm like, what the fuck? Do you understand? Like, do you understand that in the 19... 30 black people was in this country, how bad it was for most black Americans and some Caribbeans who had came over, very few. But do you know how bad it was for black Americans? How, how dare you think we just supposed to be dismissed? It's insulting. It's, it's like, oh, you know, they're trying to separate. Because we, we, we say, no, nah, damn that, we got to have... <laughs> We got our own culture, and it was it was birthed out of some real crazy stuff. So to me, I get a little. I mean, I'm a little touchy about it because it feel, it feels I feel offended by it. So I feel like you know, and I feel that's what sometimes we have when we have people like Carolina or Carolina uh, or Wagner who thinks because you know she got the black talk, she doesn't have her Kenyan accent, she was born here, she thinks that just Speaking and sounding like us is our experience, but that's not the experience of African Americans. Just not, that voice you have, that talk you have, you get that from maybe mimicking what you've seen in blackness. But that's an experience for us, a culture for us, passed down from our our ancestors and experiences in America, and to just shove it off like it ain't shit is crazy to me. Okay. 
So I really believe, speaking of Essence, when I look at Essence, Essence, and I have a lot of theories about Essence, okay, um, I feel that that is the, 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 the way the world wants to go. Black America becoming the face of blackness all over the world. However, it's black America uh, changed. Now black America consists of Caribbean, uh, West Africa, you know, uh, Africans, all kind of stuff, and we're going to call this black American culture. But that's not black, traditional black American culture. That's Nigerian culture. That's this culture. But globalism is trying to force these things because it is, this is where we're in a world that wants to, dis, that wants to dismiss that we are differences, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's it's a very interesting thing. I saw what he was saying. We had a discussion about that. We even talked about you know the selling of um, uh, essence, which was it's, it was very it was you know it was very terrible when you read about the story about what happened with Essence magazine. Um, one founder. Saw that you know there was three male, three men actually founded Essence, uh, and you know I always say uh, there were a number of great editors at Essence before Susan Taylor, but Susan Taylor to me took it to a whole nother level. But I don't think they understood what was happening, and It's so funny because all black American, these black American people who own, like, Bob Johnson who own BET and the guy who own it, all claim they wanted to sell it so they can do other publishing things. But I don't hear, I don't know nothing else they own. I ain't seen another BET out here by Bob Johnson. No. <laughs> That's why I heard he was buying a basketball thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. But the reason why publications are so important to the African-American voice it's for us to maintain our originality, our original culture, our originalness of who we are as a people. That is important to me. That should not be dismissed. I would never go to another country and try to wipe out the culture. That's what the Greeks uh, went around the world and did to their various places. Not all, you know, the Greeks, they, they was known for it, man. Alexander the Great went around the world and, and conquered the plans and stuff like that. Sometimes they would embrace cultures or claim cultures, claim cultural things as their own. And I would never want that to, to happen. Why would you come to try to wipe out us? Just crazy. So, yeah very interesting it was a very interesting conversation on twitter but yeah i think people are starting to become more aware of you know and i i i do see disingenuous i see disingenuous when you start changing the narrative of black america and you start changing the things that are important to us and you start sounding like something different yeah i got an issue with it not that we're all monolithic as black americans but we do have a general code usually that we all can not all of us but a lot of us can go with that we've been fighting for as a people so um yeah it's just a very interesting thing and uh um uh, it was a good conversation it was great to see people starting to uh 
notice it. But, you know, we also have to take, um, as a black American people, we also have to take responsibility for ourselves. This is kind of what Yvette and them were talking about when they talk about doing black politics and how important reparations is because and how important it is for black people to understand uh, that how the wealth gap affects all kinds of black businesses and black uh, when and, and it makes it hard sometimes to maintain black publications and things like that because a wrong has never been righted and so when you when you have a people who the majority of the people are poor because of of being enslaved for 400 years and all kind of other things that are happening in the community, and you don't address those through politics. Now, I don't happen to think where I disagree with them. I don't happen to think that's through Democrats. I don't. I, I'm an independent. I like. I voted Republican. I voted Democrat. I voted to start. I voted a Green Party. Every. I, I vote for. I don't like parties. I vote for what I think makes sense. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I think parties just tell me where you stop at in your intelligence. But uh, I respect, you know, what they I do believe that you have to understand politics in, in the whole and as a black community, we're very affected, black Americans, by each other and how we move. So it is important to me, especially the reparations movement. I see that as being very important for uh, uh uh, black uh, black Americans and so and then also somebody on the, in, during this discussion was talking about Liberia right and they were saying you know he was trying to tell me you know Liberia is connected to freedmen and I was like no you know, I get what you're saying uh, but Liberians are far removed from African Americans I mean you know uh, if you ever read about the slave trade, everybody knows how, how Liberia got started. Actually, it was already Africans in Liberia, so it's hard to know what was mixed. It, you know, what <laughs> it's a whole other story. But to, it was crazy what the person was trying to say to me. I totally disagree. I think I consider uh, the Liberia people Africans now. Okay, they far removed from America, and um, there were already Africans there, <laughs> even though they established Liberia. Okay, so. Um, another story <laughs> all right so very interesting conversation i find it interesting that people are questioning and people have the right to look and question that's how you keep the magazine in check and if essence chooses that it wants to become something else other than what you know uh, and, and and not evolve into helping african as when our eyes are open when we understand you're not african-american so your thoughts might be a little different. You might be for us, but we got to make sure <laughs> that you you are on agenda or on point before you're speaking for us, you know, and stuff like that. So uh, I think when our eyes are open to culture and, I mean, to differences, then we can look at each other and say, okay, how can we help each other? But when you're sitting there trying to, trying to make it, trying to erase us, that don't work. <laughs> Uh, we work too hard as people to be erased, okay? No way. Um, what else I want to talk to you about? Uh, we talked about the, uh, and I, I, I just wanted to hit that uh, for a minute. Um, okay, I've been watching Ashanti. Have y'all been watching the, I mean, not Ashanti, uh, the Irv Gotti, Irv Gotti's uh, Murder Inc. thing on BET, uh, the documentary about Murder Inc. and and everything. Oh my God, it's really interesting about how Murder Inc. got started, stuff like that. Oh, 
And Irv, you know, y'all know Irv has been talking about a lot about him and Ashanti now, you know. Now, I remember I thought years ago when they first came, because I wasn't into murdering. I liked them. It was okay. But I wasn't really into it. But I remember when Ashanti and came out, when Ashanti came out, and I thought Ashanti was with Ja Rule because they were doing so many damn songs together and so, stuff. And I remember somebody telling me, this was way back in the day, saying, no, <laughs> she's messing with the, the person that hurts over. I was like, what's my Amy Mary? So I remember hearing those rumors years ago, okay? So listen, so Ashanti didn't participate, it looks like, in this documentary, okay? And Irv has been talking about their relationship, talking about how happy he got started. And let me just say this about Ashanti, okay? Ashanti, I want to say something. I don't know if somebody's going to pass this along to you or not. It is not smart to let Irv Gotti carve out the story. It just isn't. You can. I saw her the other day on ABC on Good Morning America selling children's books. I said, girl... Meanwhile, you sell children's book and people are talking about Fat Joe and 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 I think uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, ja Rule got to arguing and 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 Irv Gotti got to arguing about about his inner Irv's interview on Drink Champs where he talks about how when when Ashanti was going out with Nelly when she was still allegedly with him and stuff like that. And I'm like, she is letting him shape the narrative. She thinks she's being above the fray by just going around and ignoring shit. But you're not. You're not. I know people seem like they're on your side, but I'm going to talk about it from a mental and spiritual standpoint because I see Ashanti been, I mean, she was all at the essence and she'd been everywhere on TV trying, look like to capture something. And it just ain't hitting off. It's just like she's showing up a bunch of places. Her name is out there. But it just ain't, like the music and stuff ain't catching on. And part of it why is, and let me just say, I could be wrong, Ashanti, but if I am, forgive me. But let me just say this, what I think part of it is, because you refusing to meet yourself. Am I about to preach to her? She refusing to meet herself. You you refusing to meet yourself, dear. And what I mean by this is you letting Irv Gotti shape the story. I know people are talking about he lame for saying all that, but no, you he he he's telling his story. But you know you was with this man allegedly. You know he was married. Ain't nothing to be ashamed about now, girl. We all everybody make mistakes. Shit. Let me tell you. Shout out to y'all story. Bad boy. Everybody been through that shit as a young person, young girl, not knowing shit. When I was a young girl, I was dating this dude. I thought he was heading for a divorce. I thought he was divorced. I remember going, he came in town. He was, it was a long-distance relationship. He had it going on. He was all great and everything. And I was good friends. I grew up in with his, his brother, right? And so I went over to the house. I remember I went over to their house, and... He took me over for dinner to their house or whatever, and the mom, who I've been knowing for years, said, mm. when she came out, she saw me, she said, okay. She said, you, who he been sneaking around with? And I said, sneaking? <laughs> What's she talking about? <laughs> it hadn't hit me yet. I was like, sneak? What's she talking about? I said, well, yeah, I'm going to say, she's sneaking around. Oh, no, I don't know 
she talking about? One of my best girlfriends happened to be going with the brother, and she said to me, she called me up. I remember I got home. She called me on the phone. She said, girl, I got some shit to tell you. I was like, what? She said, yo, such and such is not divorced. I was like, what? She said, girl, I just want to let you know what was up. I was like, what the hell? So I realized I'm side chick. And he's like, oh, then when I start, when I go off about it and stuff, he's like, no, I'm a, we we getting, we don't even live together, blah, 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 blah. But the shit happened. I had to let that go. I said, no, get your ass out. You ain't, I mean, just, it, the, and the reason it was is because, you know, he was getting divorced. But at that time, I was a young girl. I didn't want to be in no mess. The chick was still dealing with him and stuff and all that stuff. It wasn't, it wasn't really a situation of, you know, like, um, it was just I didn't want no mess. Like, I wanted, you know, you need to make your choice. <laughs> and, like, I get it. I can respect you. I know you're going through that y'all separated. I, I respect that. But the thing is, you know, I just don't want no mess with her because she was messy. <laughs> and so I didn't want no mess. So sometimes, you know, everybody does shit. You know, people, 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 it's people together, right? People fall in love while people... Married to other people. It shit happens. But the thing about it is you got to meet your fucking self. Quit trying to hide and act like you above the fucking fright. You need to define your story, Ashanti. You need to, you should have been on that uh, 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 documentary to tell your part. Or you should be right now, you should be getting a good book written, getting a, getting you a, ghost, a writer, a ghost writer or whoever, and writing your story right now, honey, because it is what it is. You you fucking around with him, that if, and he's a part of your story. Now, Irv Gotti's part of her story. Like, just like Tommy Mottola is a part of Mariah Carey's story. She, she, you think Mariah Carey would have been big if she was if she wasn't fucking around with Tommy Mottola? No, oh, I said what I said. It helps. Messing with the head of some shit. It helped being married to his ass. I, I, I tell Mariah, you would have had a harder fucking road if you hadn't been not been married to Tommy. Tommy Tommy made you a bigger, no matter what the shit you go through, he's a part of your fucking story. No matter what the shit you went through, that's your story over there. Own that shit. That's why I tell people, own your shit. Own it, own it. <laughs> I own my shit. I did a lot of shit. I own your shit. Okay, Ashanti, you need to own your shit. Okay, Irv Gotti is a part of your story. Irv Gotti, you you, you got out in it because allegedly you was fuck you fucking around with Irv. That helps. That don't mean you're not talented. It just means it helps and shit. I mean, what what the fuck? And yes, he was married. Yeah, you know, shit, things happen. It happens. I know, I know, it's, I know, I know, it's not, I know it's not good for people to be messing around. I know people hate that. I, I know, but stuff happens. In life, people meet people, people, people meet people, people look for each other sometimes from across the crowd, married people and shit. I mean, you know, shit happens. People fall in love with other people. It shit happens, okay? People end up fucking around when they marry. I got, I, you know how many, I, I can't tell you how many women I know had a married man or a married woman situation. Shit happens. Oh, my God, my alarms are going off. 
okay, this is not what I need now in the middle of my show. So we're going to take a break so I can check this alarm and I'll get back with y'all. Okay, be just a second.
new day.